You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. Each week, you'll hear from remarkable guests who have overcome challenges and obstacles to succeed in the face of adversity. By listening to their stories, you'll get practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Welcome to this episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, a podcast all about helping action takers and decision makers like you align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. Hi, I'm Sarah from Sarah Box Coaching and Consulting. I'm a change agent, former executive director and best-selling author of The Changemaker Ripple Effect, a book about how one person's drive, purpose, and boldness can impact thousands. And I'm here to tell you that the life you want is possible with the right support, mindset, and strategy. On today's podcast, we are joined by Yamilet Williams, or Dr. Yam, as she's frequently called. Being a business owner during this global-centric world we live in isn't easy, and Dr. Yam knows that firsthand. While she has had many side hustles since childhood, her recent endeavor, Synergy Solutions, came out of an unfortunate situation. More on that later. Her mission is to educate, inspire, and lead growth in others. Dr. Yam specializes in coaching and consulting women to help them uncover challenges and blocks in their business path, opportunities in their business journey, and the process of selecting those opportunities that speak to their specific needs. Considered a resource reservoir, Dr. Yam loves to share the latest tips and tools to ensure success isn't a one-time event. In this episode, you're going to hear how falling doesn't mean failing and how failure does not define you, and also how to work your business and not let your business work you. We'll reveal the impact from growing up with a father who always demonstrated strength and perseverance, what Dr. Yam learned by attending Gary Street University, and her special acronym for GRIT. Now let's welcome our guest, Dr. Yam. Hi, Dr. Yam. Hey there, Sarah. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Um, But before we dive into all of those juicy topics... Let me ask you a question, which I ask all of our guests. What is one non-negotiable ritual or habit you do every day that keeps you heading toward your big vision? Oh, good question, Sarah. I'm going to say that my my biggest ritual is um, getting sunshine. It's kind of like that kind of healing feeling. And so just standing in sunlight is, uh, is important to me. And then just a, just a few moments, just kind of being there in that moment and, and sucking it in, in a sense, soaking it in, um, that's kind of a non-negotiable. Luckily, because of where I live, I get lots of sun. <laughs> Let's start. Um, will you just kind of dive in and tell us a little bit about your story and how you got to where you are right now? Well, thank you, Sarah. 
So my story is, I don't want to say necessarily unique, but it certainly has had a lot of ups and valleys then and you know ups and downs, I suppose, but also been very, very fortunate. I, I come from the um, academia world. Uh, I started uh, actually vocationally wise, I actually went to tech school and went to become, thought I was going to be an architect. And um, while in pursuit of that and, and going to tech school and getting my first real career job as a drafts person, it, it led me down a road of touching, tapping into technology. So I, it was at those very beginning stages of where technology was kind of coming into the fold back in the 80s. <laughs> well, like I like to say back in the day. Back in the day, yes. <laughs> and so with that, um, I, I was very intrigued and got a lot of exposure. And so even within my industry of doing things manually, start to, technology started to unfold. And I got gravitated into that. And then with all of that uh, technology and, and my uh, interest in it, I got really good at um, the tools like Microsoft and things. And then before I knew it, I started training and showing other people. And people were coming to me and asking me how to do things with the technology. And so I went from working at a desk and being a drafts person to actually working part-time at night teaching technology to adults. And just even, the, I mean, we're going back to how to click on a mouse technology, okay? So, <laughs> and then from there, I entered into the field of teaching and got my certification um, and continued with business education as um, my area of um, subject matter expertise. And through that, also had an opportunity to work uh, with private entities and, and got more exposure because of the, my, my interest in project managing, managing constructional type projects. I got a chance to um, evolve and grow professionally in, in that lane, but I always kept my finger inside of the K-12 lens and work. And so a lot of mine became educational technology. And I grew in professionally and grew in kind of what we call we go through the ranks in, in our K-12 entities. You kind of can move from being a teacher to being in a, an administ school administrator, then maybe a district administrator and they alike. And um, I had kind of continued up the, the ladder. And um, that's kind of where I was in pursuit, my kind of trajectory. And while in one of my high points of my career is kind of where the unfortunate situation um, came about. Well, don't leave us hanging. Tell us about that. <laughs> <laughs> You've got me totally enthralled. I'm thinking, uh-huh. So, so that. So, you know, you go into, you, when you're in this level of work, and, and many can probably attest to this, you, you, you have in your head what you think is your future and your career as a professional, right? And so you're, you're kind of just doing the work, you're in the grind every day, and you think everything's good. And then one day, you sit in mind in your own business, and then somebody's like, eh, we've got a couple of issues, and uh, I, I can't go into much detail because we're in litigation. So, <laughs> but what I will tell you is it, it took me by surprise, obviously, because no one plans, no one anticipates and plans that there's going to be a pause in you carrying out your profession and, and being and doing the work that you love to do and earning a living. And it, it came to a grinding halt, essentially. And um, we had, it was a contractual issue. So I ended up 
coming out of a contract, essentially. I had relocated in everything. Um, and before I knew it, we were like, had to part ways, essentially. And so that left me in a very precarious position because I, one, had worked really hard to get where I was. You know, we we kind of, I hate to use the, the, the label, but we, we do hang on to titles. We, we hang on to, we, we hang on to progress, right? Professionally, we, we, we work hard, we go to school. I had, you know, not so far in the past, had just finished out my doctoral studies and, and you know, that was part of the building block. And um, so out of that, I, I had to figure something out because I was out of a job. So going from a highly visible position in a community and making a, a good salary, and then it went from that to, I got to file for unemployment. So right now there are thousands and thousands of people who are nodding their head and saying, I totally get it, because right now we are in the second week where we have the highest unemployment filings in decades, decades and decades. So I think your story is so timely because, and you're right, nobody plans to have the rugs pulled out from under us. No, we don't. So that's a hard place to be, especially when we've we've kind of hooked our our hopes on it, right? Our right. dreams are on it, and then all of a sudden it's poof gone, or maybe gone for now, or maybe we get a piece of information that says, "I thought it would be this kind of future for me, and what I'm seeing now means maybe it's no longer the fit I thought it would be." Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about? that transition, because that's a tough one to get your head back on straight around. So yeah, what happened? Yeah. So I, I, I tell people the, the fact that there was a very, it's, it's an emotional, it's an emo, very, it's a very emotional experience. And what I had to al- allow myself to do is take that moment to Go through that emotional uh, roller coaster. You know what I. You know I think you, your 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 listeners may may have heard this whole thing. But you know, there's the stages of anger. There's stage, There's a, there's a stage in the process. Like we go through stages of grief. Losing your job is very similar emotionally to when you lose a loved one. In a sense, you 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 have an emotional attachment to who you are and what you do every day and the, and the contribution that you make to an organization or to your community, whatever that is. And so for that to be taken away from you, it's kind of like, you know, when something, when you're, when you're a little kid and somebody snatched candy out there and you're going to be mad. <laughs> and so it was the same thing. Someone snatched that away from me and I was angry. And so you go through those stages of anger. And what I share with some of my uh, coaching clients is this fact that you should, you have to give yourself permission to be angry um, it, because it's, it's a, it's a process of, it's a healing process in and of itself. And so that's what I had to do. And I'm still angry, by the way, to a certain degree. And um, because it, it shifted everything that, you know, as a planner, as I am, I'm a planner, uh, that I had in, in, in my life to do and, and move on that I, I did not have, I was not in, no longer in a position to do so. So it's, um, it allowed me to have to go through those, those five stages of, of anger or grief. I can hear the um, passion 
when you speak. I can hear it. And I also recognize that you took what you learned or your experience and have molded it into your new venture and what you do today. Is that correct? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can only have a pity party for so long. (laughs) Well, then everybody leaves and you're by yourself at the party. Exactly. And, um, you know, you can only you can only do that for so long. And you, you do have to kind of bounce back quickly because, number one, when you are um, an earner in the family, you know, you do have some financial responsibilities as well as, again, being the emotional, stable person, you know, you know, in the family or you, you want to be that that kind of pillar and, and make sure that things are going to be OK. And so. I did have to figure out how I could reflect on, okay, so what can I do now? And it allowed me to kind of really think about how would I make my shift happen? And so what I've come to call the recovery stage in a sense is um, kind of going through and figuring out, okay, I teach business education for a living. I should be able to figure out how can I do that. And I, and I harnessed back to my dad, as you mentioned in the introduction. I, I come from a, a, a family of entrepreneurs and I also, also just had that bug as a child. I was the kid with the lemonade stand, selling the cookies as a Girl Scout. I'm always setting up something to sell something. I, you name any, any MLM and I'm Pretty much I've tried many of them alongside just working my regular business, um, my regular career. And so um, I took what I knew, which was education and consult training and, and coaching, and took also the relationships that I had built in, in, uh, over the course of the years and was able to connect with individuals who I had great respect for. They had great respect for me. And once they heard of my search situation and I put out my I'm open sign, I was able to get my first client. And it just takes the one, the first customer and the first client to get you in forward motion. So has going through all of this, and I know you're still kind of transitioning still, because it's not a one and done, I've made my decision thing. There's the ongoing implications of it. But has that changed or had you reflect on how you define what success means to you and the different levels of success? Certainly. Yeah, I think I certainly am very proud of all of the things that I've accomplished over my lifetime so so far, uh, both professionally and and now as an entrepreneur, full-time entrepreneur, right? What I do, what I recognize is, is that you, you get, you get to define what your success level is. I do believe that probably now more than ever, there's probably a lot more being exposed and people getting inundated a lot now with respect to these business opportunities is when you're shifting from employer E to entrepreneurship, the the critical aspect of understanding what success is has to do with one that you're doing it out of a level of passion. You should be going into a a business idea that is driven by something you enjoy doing and have a good grasp and have skills and expertise in that others can see that of value. The, the 
the, the misconception that there's this instantaneous growth spurt, per se, with getting to six figures, as people like to loosely use the term, is, uh, is not an everyday occurrence. Growing your business is way more important than having a growth spurt. So entering in with the one customer, that's all I needed. One, it was enough so that I could feel good about myself, that there was validation to the decision I had to make and, and, and just, again, put food on the table, pay bills. The bills are still coming in. Um, I didn't have the luxury that some of my clients have, that I do coach have in that they're able to, they were transition, they're transitioning while they're working the full-time job that they have the benefit of working through their business plans and such to get to a way where they can make that decision to leave and work their business full-time. So success is personal. It is not something anybody else defines for you. It's something you get to define for yourself as the entrepreneur that you aspire to be. So, you know, that's interesting to me because you're right. I'm sure everybody, I know I do get inundated with those, do this and you'll have this immediately. But, you know, we talked about um, focus and the importance of that just as we were getting started yeah. and the, the time it takes to get to whatever level someone's at that's selling you that end goal. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a bit about that and um, how, you, how you learn that and then also how you incorporate that in the work you do? Okay, yeah. So one of the things that are, are probably one of my, I'll call it traits or characteristics is one, I'm a planner. I like to do my checklist <laughs> and my top threes and things. But one of the key things when you're starting with the idea of going into business for yourself is what is your focus going to be? What is your zone of genius that you're going to tap and be the solution for the intended audience or the intended customer that you're, you're aspiring to have? And so that means you do have to have focus on what you're wanting to do and serve to um, to to the customer with, by way of either your service-based business or whether you're producing a product. And having that level of focus, that also means going back from a, a growth perspective is you've either got, you've got to design your business plan with a focus of saying, this is what I intend to do. Here's my solution my, that I'm going to solve the problem for and really stay focused on that. And then also focus on who you're speaking to, who is that intended audience. We tend to, because, which is very natural, when you're first starting out, you want to be the, you want to take any business that you can, right? Because I want to eat and I want to prove myself. And we can grab, we can really get distracted with those shiny objects. Like you're saying, you get these offers and some of them are good. Do not get me wrong. There are some very solid opportunities out there, but it requires still a lot of lifting on the part of whoever makes the choice to do so. It is not necessarily instantaneous in the levels of success. Uh, and, and the good ones will tell you that. The ones that don't are the ones you need to be skeptical of. So staying focused is something that I lean to a lot, particularly even when I'm coaching and people like to 
divert. And I'm like, okay, can we, I'm not gatekeeper in the meeting too. So I'm like, uh, we're getting off task. We're getting off the subjects. Let's stay focused. There's a great book. And we, we talked about this. There's a wonderful book that um, I came across. It was my last year's read, my book of the year. And that was The One Thing by Gary Keller. And so I'm not an invested in the book, but everybody needs to read it. <laughs> but it really helped to reinforce my thinking. I already had subscribed to the thinking, but it really helps people to understand that if you focus on one thing, that one thing every day is how you're going to get to that level of success that you have identified for yourself. And, and one thing meaning that, you know, what's that one big rock, I like to call it. And then what are the daily steps that are going to get you to that one thing that you want to accomplish, you want to have in, that's going to kind of be the foundation for why you're doing your business the way that you're doing it. I love that book too. And one of the, one of the things I've used that for is to change when I'm tired Right. And I'm thinking and I look at something, I'm going, I know you're tired. I know you've been working all day. What's one thing you can do right now that's going to make tomorrow better? Like, what's the one thing you can do right now that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? And honestly, I practice that even like, OK, I don't feel like doing the dishes. But if you did them right now, I know it sounds really mundane, but it's one of those things like, but if I do it now, my head's going to be clear again because I'm not going to have to think about it. I just and, had that experience this morning with the dishes. So I don't sorry. know. It, it was like, let me just hurry up and do these. And there's not many. Let me hurry up and get them done. And then, oh, I hear nobody's mouth about dishes today. <laughs> and keep it well, moving. And I do that like, or even when someone says, well, I just, whatever the excuse is, they say, I'm just going to try. And I'm thinking, well, is there one thing you could do that would be close to that? Yeah. And then I'm thinking, just do one thing. You don't have to do it all. It's like when we have that big elephant, right? We have to do it all. It's like, just do a piece every day to your Mm -hmm. point, little pebbles. And pretty soon you've got a big old mound that you can climb up and over. Yes. I think too, and and you referenced it too, as, as change agents, particularly in corporate and in large organizations when you're working on strategic planning and really trying to have everyone understand that if what is your contribution to the end goal is that one thing. So as a so when you kind of narrow that down from an entrepreneurial sense, and, a, and most of us are one women, one man operations, right? Uh, we have to hold ourselves accountable into what how we carry out our work every day because we can get really caught up in doing busy work and not productive work. And so that again, is that whole thing. That's why I like lists and I like to do checklists. And, and I say, what are the three things that are, I know I need to do today to give, and if I get those done, I'm going to feel good. And if I don't feel good, and if I don't finish it up, then uh, I got to recalibrate somehow. Right. Um, but, and so to me, that that's that artfulness When you're going into business for yourself, it's kind of like it's a it's a balance. I don't like to use the word balance so much. I like to use the term harmony. That there's you have to have some harmony between you know the aggressive kind of I got to get this done. I want to get a new client. I want to I want to succeed. And but I have to have a life, (laughs) and no one's going to drive me crazy at the same time. So that balance that. So when you know what your one thing is and you know what you're good at at that one thing, then get good at that. It's not that you won't be good at lots of other things. I'm good at a lot of things, 
but I wanted to get really good at one thing. And my one thing is I wanted to get really good at helping aspiring entrepreneurs get past the fear that they were not comfortable or confident to take their idea forward. And, and that was important to me because I see so many people doing it the wrong way. And so a lot of people say, well, I started, you know, I'm, I'm in business and I'm looking, I'm like, that's not a business. You didn't, that's, you're, you're still in hobby lane. Tired of feeling stuck and ending with the same result? Want to know how Sarah can help you with one-on-one or organizational coaching? Then book your free discovery call at sarahbox.com forward slash contact. Now back to the show. I have a couple of questions for you about that. But before I switch to those questions, explain the difference between a business and a hobby. A business has, for me, a business has a set of systems and structures that are in place and that you have a service or a product that you are bringing forward into into the commerce that is generating revenue for, for you every day. It's, it's, it's not something that you just do on a whim. It's, it's a, it is a process, it is a structure that you enter into with seriousness and commitment, uh, I, I find too. So hobbies are great and a lot of great businesses are side hustles. Hobbies and side hustles are the kind of like the, um, the starter in a car, kind of think of it that way. It's the starter in the car and you got the key and you you turned it over. Now you got to keep your car running and keeping your car running is running the business all the time, full time. So I, I kind of maybe give it from that analogy. It's not something you just do on a whim because if you're just doing, you're just going to go to the farmer's market on Friday and the rest of the week, you're not doing anything to help you run your That's not a business to me. I mean, that's my definition. A side hustle is just that you hustling along. When you're working for yourself, you don't want to hustle. You should be getting to a point where you have, how do you say, you have generated a skill set that can allow you to be productive, that people see value in the solutions or the service or the products that you have on an ongoing basis, that you don't have to hustle. I don't have to, right now, I don't have to hustle. I've, I've invested I have a hustle mindset in a sense, but I'm not, when, when you don't have to worry about, ooh, how am I going to eat tomorrow? Ooh, how is that Amex bill going to get paid? That's, that's different. And, and so I kind of look at it from that standpoint. I love that analogy. I, I do, because we can all relate to it, right? So yes. I know that you um, have a couple of tools around personality and behaviors that serve as a framework that help people understand themselves, their, their traits, and can also help shape communications. Can you talk about what you like to use and how we can think about it for moving forward, becoming, moving from employee to business owner, kind of that mentality shift? Yeah. So whether we, we all have personalities, right? You, you know, you, you know, you're, your family, your friend, we all come from different personalities. We don't necessarily, we're not the same people, essentially, right? So there's uh, an instrument that I use that allows uh, individuals to answer a series of questions that 
out of that can help to identify what are your strengths and what are your weak areas that you can, when you know what they are, help you to, to communicate uh, effectively with the other style. So there are four that are the prominent styles. We embody all four, but we each tend to have a, a higher percentile of one of the st- personality styles. And it kind of also goes back to a little bit about how we behave in certain circumstances and certain, certain conditions as well. And some of them are pretty observable, but taking the full assessment, obviously, as an entrepreneur also helps you to understand how you can connect better with customers and how you can use the, the trigger words that are out there, the, the trigger personality styles and how people uh, are more apt to connect with you if you know how to connect that with them use in writing copy and marketing materials and the like. And so I, I've used it for myself to help me and connecting with my customers better. I help uh, teams communicate with each other better in, in, in team settings and in business settings. And they, so there are four, the first one is what we call a dominant style. And that one is for, is typically individuals, if you know a person who, uh, let's say, um, they like, they're decisive, they're direct, they like results, they seek control. And um, their fear is being taken advantage of. So these are people who are typically outgoing and task-oriented people. And they would probably make up about 3% of the population Right. So those are and also those people that you pretty much would find in leadership roles. Another communication style are those who are very friendly, spontaneous, persuasive. They um, like to be in the spotlight, kind of bumblebees, I call them. And um, they are also they're 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 outgoing, but they're people oriented. So they like to socialize a lot. And so but those are their strengths. Their fear is around rejection and around the loss of approval. So when you think about that, as I share each one of those out, kind of think about, well, who in my circle of people could that possibly be? Another style has, is a bit more um, team-oriented, follow-through, very loyal. Um, they accept things for what they are. They're kind of like, I don't want to call it status quo, but they make up the largest part of the population. They, these are people, people, their focus is people, but they're also kind of reserved. So they're kind of, they're not the limelight people. And their fear is the fear of loss of security and a loss of, and, and they don't like confrontation. They don't handle that very well. And my last force a style is a person, these are individuals who are task oriented and reserved. So these are your people who are planners, they're analytical, they're compliant, and they, they strive for accuracy. They want to get it right the first time. They're not going to put anything out there that they don't feel proud of or, or have confirmation around. And they have a fear of criticism. And they make up maybe about mm, 17% of the population in general. So those are the four types of personalities. 
So when you think of that, there's all these personalities, right? Kind of cycling in, in and out of your life, be it family, friends, customers, and clients. How is it that you, knowing what you know, how can I strengthen and get the right harmony between myself and another individual is how is by knowing these individual styles along with who I am in my style. And, and that's kind of the work that I do with individuals uh, when I bring them on. That's one of the first assessments. And, and part of that also in that assessment opportunity is how, again, once you get your full assessment, it's a full like 30 page report. You can glean a lot of information. How can I take that information and that data to use in my business um, endeavors? And how can I grow my business, particularly when you have service or level people? We as coaches, right, we're service level. Uh, we're not just turning out widgets. That's not a nice term. But our, our um, encounter with customers is much more personalized than an online business that's selling a product like sneakers. But using the copy language that the sneaker seller or the product seller uses is going to help how they connect with their customers because they, they don't know who's necessarily they are in that personality. So they have to kind of incorporate all four of those personality styles and communication style in order to hit the target for all of them. So it sounds like that's valuable on a couple of fronts. One, so that I can know more about myself and how I interact with people and to make that more successful, but also being able to identify what's going on with other people I mean, from my perspective, which probably tells you where I would be on your assessment, is partly being able to adapt to that, so enable to be responsive and understand mm -hmm. and know what they need or who they need or those types of things. Particularly, um, yeah, definitely. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say it helps me as a coach because then I know how to help people get to the goals that they have set for themselves. I will not coach somebody who is people and task oriented, this uh, outward or outgoing, I should say, and task oriented. I would not coach them the same way as somebody who's people and reserved. So it helps me help them in a way. Yeah, it's hard to communicate with someone if you actually don't know who they are or what they need. Right. I don't, especially um, initiating a relationship. You know, and I use the term, I always feel like I have to explain it, but I, I, I tend to use the terms client and customer. And I, I put them in two different pockets because to me, a client is something is, is someone who I have a contractual relationship with versus a customer is transactional in the sense that they're just going to buy something and walk out the door. I might not ever see them again. And so I kind of use, I tend to use that language and I, sometimes I jump back and forth, but that's my definition, just in case. <laughs> no, that's great. And I use it, you know what, that's interesting because in given context, I use it similar to you, but also when I'm working with my clients, air quotes there, they have, their customers are often their clients of services, exactly. right? So uh -huh. it's just interesting. I want you to spend, we've got a little bit of time left, so I'd like you to talk a little bit more about your program, the Keep It Simple Coach, and then also you have a really generous offer for all of the listeners, so I'd like for you to talk about that too, Dr. Yam. Okay, so Keep It Simple Coach, uh, I deemed, I gave that name uh, 
is an outgrowth. So, you know, my first business, our initial consulting business that I do for K-12 and leadership is my Synergy Solutions partner entity that got me from my overcoming my uh, crisis and, and shifting into entrepreneurship full time. And then because of my love for business and seeing where the needs were and my love for coaching and helping is how I got to the Keep It Simple Coach because I like to keep things simple. I like to take the confusion and the complicate, take things that don't have to be complicated. A lot of times we make things so complicated, but that's my part of my style too. So, <laughs> um, so I like to strip away the complicated and, and just let's just get it done. And so keeping it simple. So the Keep It Simple Coaches is um, my entrepreneur and, uh, coaching uh, and consulting leg of my uh, business. And I help aspiring entrepreneurs and those who are really new in their business, they launched, but they want to grow themselves and, and get better. And probably more, like I said, I deal a lot of solopreneurs or people who have really small teams. So they probably don't have, they, well, they don't do a lot of the work themselves. So it's kind of like DIY, I call it in, in a sense. And so I kind of help them with that because I, I love tools. I like uh gadgets. I like to figure things out and use them, how to increase my productivity and share those resources with others. So in, I have a Facebook group that uh, helps people to join me a couple different ways, one-on-one coaching, obviously, but I do have a Facebook group, which is Women Getting Mad, which is MAD stands for Motivated, Accountable, and Developed. And uh, that's inside a Facebook group. Those are for my aspiring entrepreneurs. And we do live coaching each week and uh, we have, it's, it's a new group. And we also do uh, challenge email challenges and daily discussions are out there. And then for my newbies, uh, we have the Small Biz Society. And that's also one of my Facebook groups. And those for my newbie group, my newbie um, entrepreneurs that are just kind of starting out there and wanting to learn and grow. So uh, I do coaching and support to those individuals. And we offer master classes and five-day challenges and things. So you can visit the website, uh, keepasimplecoach.info is uh, the web address. And uh, you'll find some resources there and you can connect to me there. And um, there's also a link on the top of my website that's called freebies. And you can tap all the freebies. I kind of try to have a running list of tools and things that you can engage in that are relevant to uh, becoming and starting a business. That is great. It's a great resource. I love your um, Facebook groups. I like your acronym. And I promised in the introduction that you would share the meaning of the acronym GRIT. So Ah. before we sign off, please share that. And for folks listening, her links are all going to be in the show notes. So if you didn't get it, don't worry about it. They'll be there for you. Yeah. So one of the things that I find that part of going in entrepreneurship, this is a risk that everyone takes. They risk, they trust, have to trust themselves. They have to trust the fact that the idea that they have is going to be a sustainable one um, because that level of success as you have it defined is what's going to have to keep you going in that transition of wanting to leave your nine to five in an employee stage and go into entrepreneurship uh, in a successful way. And part of having, in order to do that, 
there's a methodology or a study, I guess, that came out of it. And it's called GRIT. And I'm not GRIT as in like gritty dirty, but GRIT is an acronym. GRIT is about passion and it's about perseverance for long-term goals. And it's used uh, for, you know, again, having that stamina, that ongoing, and keeping that engine running every day. So GRIT is an acronym. GRIT stands for GUTS. It's R is for resilience. I is for integrity, which you have to have when you're starting your business. And the last is T is for tenacity. And it's that never going to quit. I don't care how many downs I have. I'm always going to be able to get up and keep it moving and staying focused on what? The one thing. Thank you so much, Dr. Yam. I've really enjoyed our time together, and I know you have delivered such huge value. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.